So in case you haven't heard on social meds, which is what I'm calling it now, guys, and I apologize in advance for that, we are going to be at Panic Fest 2022. Panic Fest! Yeah. We, in fact, honestly, this is like the last time we saw Paige in person was at Panic Fest as one group, right? I've been to yes. LA and seen you, but Mikey hasn't. So like- this will be like a reunion of sorts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. not seen each other in person in years and yeah. years. I know, years. So I know for a fact that Cult Podcast and the Horror Virgin will obviously be there. So we are excited to do live shows. Paige, Cult Podcast is doing a live show as well, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole event takes place over the course of the 28th of April through May 8th. I think that our live show takes place on May 1st. I'm not sure about Cult Podcast. We're both on May 1st. Awesome. So if you're in the Kansas City area and want to come to two awesome live shows that take place on May 1st, go to panicfilmfest.com and buy tickets. Yeah, and part of the reason we put them both on May 1st is because I know in the past sometimes people have traveled yeah. to Panic Fest. So we're trying to minimize the amount, like, you know, if you had to get a hotel or whatever, we're trying to make it all on one day to hopefully make it easier for everyone to come out. So, guys, if you want to see us live, go to panicfilmfest.com and get your tickets today. Yeah. Excited about it. I think it's just house, right? Like, it's not house one. Yeah. It's well, not, it's, we're, we're going to get house one because we did house we're two. We're going to get house one because <laughs> we did house two first. <laughs> I thought this would be a fun play on sequel month. When you suggested it, I was like, yeah, I think that might be the winner. <laughs> I did that. We, we recorded a thing for the last episode, and I was like, Paige sent me a text at 1.30 in the morning, and she seemed tired, so I knew then I could trick everyone into watching the movie I wanted to watch. <laughs> This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Bruder, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Joey, Mr. Rage Bomb, Sneaky Snake, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Matthew, oh, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Karoon, and Nick B. Of course I can hear you, Mikey. I was recording the uh, Patreon stuff while you guys were just chit You're missing before. the laugh lines. We were totally <laughs> doing the laugh lines. <laughs> I want some credit for saving Todd from having to watch Hellraiser 2. Yes. I wanted Hellraiser. I went to bat for Hellraiser 2 at 1.30 in the morning. Hellraiser 2 sounded fucking nuts. And I was like, Todd's had a hell of a week. (laughs) (laughs) A Hellraiser of a week? (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Hellraiser Todd. And this week, (laughs) Mikey made us watch... House Cinnabon. one. Oh, house <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, I said this in the promo, but I want to say it again. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite horror films. The, the George Romero. It changed the horror genre. I think as a film, it's good. It transcends yeah, horror. Agreed. I think it changed every horror film that came after it. Almost. Yeah, the remake was uh, not great. great. Not great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it has, as Paige pointed out at 1.30 in the morning, it's got a lot of distribution rights and it like streams randomly and then gets cut off immediately. And yeah. we could not find it. And I remember watching it like dozens of times as a child. Yeah. Well, and I did find a bunch of them on YouTube, but they were all different run times. And I was like, right. I don't know which one of these is the official cut. I don't know if they're complete. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So I wouldn't necessarily immediately know if something was missing. So so Paige sent us a text at 1.30 in the morning. Todd was asleep. Oh, of course I was asleep. Yeah. And she's like, it's not streaming what do we do? And then I was like, we're going to do Hellraiser 2. Or what do you think about House 1 as like a play on sequel month? 
And I knew because Paige seemed sleepy that I could trick Todd and Paige into watching a Mikey movie for sequel month. I never get to pick anyway, so I was just told to watch House when I woke up. I will say my other recommendation was Purge 2. Which is good. And the only reason I didn't choose it is because it was the longest of the three, and I knew that you two would have to watch it this morning. Yeah. Well, then also it's like pretty serious and like yeah you know you were kind of tired and you're like i don't know if i feel like sitting into all that because whenever we record like this i have to watch it the night before the two of you watch it in the morning because we're recording at 7 a.m my time but it's like 9 a.m your time well we got together at 7 a.m your time we chatted until eight o'clock your time and then we started recording (laughs) usually we have our coffee we do like a coffee talk yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) So anyway, uh, I had high hopes for this movie because House 2 is one of the most bonkers films ever made, I think. Mikey, I'll be honest with you. Because I saw House 2, I knew this movie was going to be bad. What I was concerned about was, is it going to be awesome bad or just bad bad? And I'm happy to report it's pretty awesome bad. I think it has a more coherent story than the sequel. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I kind of liked what they were doing with it. And like, <laughs> de- really, you're deconstructing a man with a house. Does that make sense? No, not at all. But honestly, <laughs> after seeing the movie, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they, they, it's ambitious in what they're trying to do. Like, his kid's missing. Oh, He's working yeah. through his issues from Vietnam. He's also a famous author. Yeah, he's working yeah. through Vietnam PTSD while on the search for his son who's lost in the pool slash house like I don't know what's happening in this movie but all of that happened yeah well here's what I will say and some of this I found out in fun facts is this is originally not written as a comedy um (laughs) that is the least surprising part of that the funny stuff is funny but like it's not funny all the time it's pretty pretty serious like i think with a modern spin this could be really cool like a vet comes home and then like moves into a haunted house and it kind of like does ptsd and like you don't know if it's his ptsd or not and like less of a comedic thing i think it could be terrifying yeah absolutely and so i try i was not on the house two episode i tried to watch house two and i have to date never been able to finish it oh did you even make it to the electrician coming over i did make it to the electrician good but like every time i've been like i don't know if i'm too tired or what but i can't like i i can't physically concentrate (laughs) on this long enough to finish it you're not supposed to you're actually not tired enough (laughs) uh but so i have not been able to sit all the way through house two and i was like Oh man, it is 11.30 My time I can only expend so much concentration <laughs> I hope House 1 Makes it Like I hope I can get through it uh, And then I was shocked By how coherent this movie was <laughs> In comparison to House 2 Because the more I was watching it I was like, this actually seems like it's not a Not a terrible movie Like, like there's definitely problems But like this has legs This has a good foundation It's paced a little weird but like for the most part it all kind of fits yeah compared to a fucking fever dream in a weird mayan temple of a house (laughs) with like a zombie cowboy and shit god yes i rarely go back you gotta redo house two with Paige. yeah i was about to say i rarely go back and listen to old episodes just because of 
trauma. But man, I have gone back to listen to that House 2 episode a few times because it is so funny. So we all wa- and we watched that all together, and I was just sitting there like watching Jin and Todd watch the movie, and they were just like, what? Yeah, that's right. Oh, fuck. We used to watch them together, Paige. Oh, man, it was so fun. If I was with you guys, we would have gotten through it, and we would have laughed there, and it would have oh, been yeah. fun. I have tried to watch it like multiple times in my house alone and that it's not happening. <laughs> it's one of my feel good movies. When he takes out an Uzi and shoots a pterodactyl, I was just like, this was exactly what I wanted for my bad day. There's nothing better than a, one of them is like, this place is a haunted. And the other one opens the cupboard and there's like, I don't know, a dinosaur from like the TV show Dinosaurs. And he just like points at it. I don't know why, but that was the funniest part of the movie for me. That shit stuck. <laughs> With me. Okay, but let's not talk about the perfect film that is House oh, yeah. 2. We can't rehash the genius that was House 2, Paige. We have to go through the genius that is House 1, which is actually, again, it's not bad. Yeah. But let's talk about how funny the neighbor character is in this film. I Harold loved Harold so much because at first I was like, oh, he's going to be the annoying neighbor. But he was like super sweet where he's like, I think this guy's like in trouble. He tries to call his wife. Yeah. He calls the police because he's worried about him. So funny. He brings <laughs> over a midnight <laughs> snack, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he breaks into his house with midnight snacks. That's and I'm true. like, he he's fucking lucky that he was up because if that dude was just asleep and he was just like midnight snacks, I'd be like, get the Oh, I think I agree with Paige with the pacing problem. If they took off the babysitting side yes, quest. Why is, I, I think that's here to pad the runtime, to be honest with you. Because, <laughs> oh, because yeah. this comes in at 93 minutes. <laughs> it's a tight 93. It's a tight 93. They finished this movie and they were like, oh shit, we have to like add 10 minutes. What do we do? I don't know. The neighbor could bring over her kid to make him watch him while she goes on a date. What is happening in this movie? <laughs> well, and he is a fucking stranger yeah yeah it's got to be there to pad runtime it was such a diversion i mean i did like there was a hot woman swimming while he's trying to bury different body parts of a monster he killed very funny the audacity of burying a body in the middle of the day i, I yeah. was like oh wow <laughs> it's not even a body like the <laughs> it's chunks and it's still moving that's the best yeah. part that hand moves the entire movie. It does. And well, and I will say the baby she brings over is very cute. That's yes. Very cute. I think that that kid's probably going to have some issues the way her his, his mom's acting. Oh, you mean pawning him off on legit strangers? Yeah. In haunted houses. And not <laughs> questioning when he has to bathe him because two monsters tried to take him up a chimney. Also, yeah. where was he when she was just swimming in his pool by herself? Like, where was the baby? I think he was at Harold's house. Like, I think it's just, you know, musical neighbor chairs, I guess. It's gotta be. My favorite is in the very beginning when her name comes up in the credits. It just says, uh, whatever her name was, as Tanya, but it has air quote, like it has quotation marks around it. Yeah. And they don't do that really for any other characters. So it just made me think that they were like, Tanya. Sure, Tanya. (laughs) A likely story, Tanya. The grandmother was so funny. Oh, the aunt, you mean? Yeah, Yeah, the aunt. Yeah, the aunt who paints those crazy Salvador Dali paintings. She's such a good artist, though. And they're like, I know, I really liked them. Look at your aunt. She's such a piece of shit painter. I was like, I would buy that painting. Yeah, those paintings are dope. Yeah, I did (laughs) love when his neighbor is talking about the aunt, and because he doesn't realize that he's talking to the aunt's. 
like son more or less because she raised him and he's like she was crazy like she was the worst neighbor like a nightmare situation well she was my aunt heart of gold on her she was beautiful for her age like i I loved how he like he like immediately turns on a dime i love it it's so good is this what i needed this morning to like yeah get into the day there's three more house movies i think okay the drop off from house one to house two is so steep I have to imagine that three through five are more like two than one. We don't Nobody know. Knows, I've never Paige. actually seen them. We're going to oh, have to find okay. out together. Yeah. Damn. I know that one has a pizza box that tries to kill someone. Love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? Uh-huh, but I don't know which one. Okay. So, Mikey, it's uh, House, House 2, The Second Story, House 3, The Horror Show, and House 4, The Repossession. I love all of that. So we've got two more to do, Paige. I mean, good, because we got more sequel months. Yeah. <gasps> what? House 4 features the same actor who was the main character from House 1. What? And it was a direct-to-video comedy horror film. Yeah. Yes. It is a recontinuation of the Roger Cobb story. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I mean, you, you got to wait till we watch three, I guess, oh. to get to four. Oh, wow. So two just stands alone. It's just fucking. Yeah, I, I, think, uh-huh. I think two and three must stand alone. I mean, I know two stands alone. Three must stand alone, too. I don't know, but we'll get there eventually. I mean, as a franchise, and I'm going to use that word. It is a franchise, Mikey. Very underrated. <laughs> I don't know about that. Better than Hellraiser. I mean, that is not a tall bar, my man. I read the description for Hellraiser 2, and I was like, we may have to do this one, but I don't know if Todd could take it right now. <laughs> okay, but Todd, there are eight Hellraisers. Yes. There's more than eight, but eight's the one that I'm most excited to get to. Oh, my okay, God. There's more than eight. I would like if there was eight or more houses. <laughs> a neighborhood, if you would. A subdivision <laughs> of horror. Dude, in the eighth house movie, it just zooms out, and you see all of the houses They're on the same street. The same <laughs> How have we not made these? How? That would actually be really fucking funny. Yeah. I think there's a market for haunt. There's there's not enough haunted house films. There's not enough horror comedies, and they're not that expensive to make. We'll talk about that, Mikey, because uh, you're not necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. I have to recuse myself because I found that. But yeah, okay. I think modern special effects with a with a setup like this would work. And I liked the main character. He was surprisingly charming about all this, and he had a good attitude. Even- when he, kind of a... Even when he murdered what he thought was his wife in cold blood and then just hid her body. Yeah. And he was lucky that it turned out to not be his wife. He had some faith. Okay. He got tested. Oh, also, his, <laughs> his faith was tested. Okay. I was like, I don't know what STDs have to do with this. I was like, he didn't, he didn't have sex with his neighbor. I think he's fine. Like, I don't think he has to get tested. <laughs> so, yeah. So maybe we should get into the movie, though, so we can talk about it, right? Yes. So the credits go over just overexposed shots of the house. Which is terrible. It's actually inverted. So, I mean, like, the color is inverted? inverted. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it is very, like, I just want to remind you that, like, Top Gun came out the year before this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Mad Men Mars level. Yeah, I was going to say Mad Men Mars. It is very Mad Men Mars-ish because <laughs> they could not, like, afford a stabilized camera system. So, like, nope. all the cameras that aren't static are, like. Steady cams. Yeah. They're, oh, but, like, my- early versions of steady cams where it might as well just be, like, 
you know, clipped to a backpack or something. Oh, no, like I, I think they must have, like, shoulder mounted it. Like, I don't think it was steady oh, at all. You don't yeah. even think it was steady. No, because they, it, there is some shake to it, which it's fine. Like, people do that now stylistically, you know, that, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that was the case. I think it was a no, budget thing for this. I think it was a budgetary concern. Yeah. I also noticed, and Mike, you may not have, Todd, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh, where it goes from day to night all the time because yes. it's clear that they couldn't shoot at night outside. <laughs> and so everything that's happening outside is during the day and almost everything happening inside is at night. Yep. Regardless of if he's going from one to the other. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice. Yeah. And honestly, like that doesn't bother me in this kind of movie because it is just like a comedy. It's very silly. There's like magical realism to it. So to me, it does not matter at all, but it is funny. It was very, very funny. We do basically get shots around the perimeter of the house where there's an orange kitty. Oh, it comes back for a jump scare later, but then is never seen again. We watch as a moped pulls up to the house and a guy <laughs> carries groceries inside and he goes to knock on the door, but it just opens. So he leaves the groceries on the front table, uh, but he hears something upstairs. So he goes to investigate because the woman that he's bringing the groceries to hasn't answered yet. Yeah. So he goes up the stairs and this is where he looks at one of the paintings and just goes, sick. <laughs> it is sick. It is a really good Salvador Dali type painting, like you pointed out. Dude, it's a fucking sick ass painting. Like, he is not wrong. I didn't realize that this, like, I'm going to say aspiring art critic was delivering groceries, but like, he was right about this painting. He was right about this yeah. painting. Everyone else in the movie is wrong about it. He's right about it. We should have had Andrea on as a guest to, like, give her evaluation <laughs> of how good these paintings are. Here's what I will say. Andrea was on one of my friends podcast recently because he purchased a John Hinckley painting. Oh no shit. <laughs> yeah, and it is terrible. Well, that's not why you you don't buy John Hinckley paintings exactly. because of, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's what they had her on and this the the paintings in this movie are are worlds better than John Hinckley's paintings. So they've at least got that going for them. Right. And, and <laughs> was it a painting of like uh Ronald Reagan but actually like after he like legit got the job done or like Um let me Find a picture of it for you. If you don't know who John Hinckley is, he's the guy who tried to kill Ronald Reagan yes. for Jodie Foster because he's yes. there's some mental health stuff at play, right? So like yes. that's what was going on. But now he sells paintings, I'm assuming, from prison. Right. So uh, are you ready to see the painting? Yes, show it to me. Oh my God, it is beautiful and terrible. It looks like he has beetles in his mouth for teeth. Like that is amazing. <laughs> it's wild. Sick. <laughs> Sick. My favorite part, uh, if you want to go listen to This Is Not A Show Pod, it makes it's my friends who make a, a podcast that they kind of just hang out, but it's pretty fun. My favorite part is that they're telling Andrea about it and she's like, wait a second, you had this mailed to your home? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, so he knows where you live oh. and they had never <laughs> considered that and you just hear them on the podcast be like oh shit what do we do john hinckley knows where we live it was amazing i don't think john hinckley's getting out of prison anytime soon so i think they're probably well, fine but yeah i and i i also don't think that jody foster was like you need to go kill keith carey and tom goss <laughs> like i'm sure they're safe oh yeah well i, I mean and listen jody foster had nothing to do with him trying to kill reagan like or it, did she uh, oh <laughs> i don't know maybe i mean honestly i personally think reagan was one of the worst presidents we've ever had but i don't think he should have been shot oh man anyway sick painting <laughs> 
Can I be honest with you though? So he creeps uh-huh. up the stairs, calling out for this old lady, right? And then he goes into a room because he hears like a creaking sound, mm-hmm. and he walks in there, and no one's in there, and then her body swings into frame. And yeah. that scared me. It really did scare me. When that happened, I was like, oh, shit, this has an actual jump scare for Todd. Right. That's why this movie's not a one for me. Interesting. Yeah. And I do think there are some like scares later on that sort of got me too, even though they were more campy-ish. This scare yeah, is really? not at all campy. This scare is legit like hanging woman jump scare. Oh, yeah. It looks creepy. So for you, this is more of like a house two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she is hanging. We cut to her funeral. And this is where we meet uh, Roger Cobb, who will be our main character for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Talking to some of his aunt, who's the woman who died by suicide. And his uncle. Yes. Who's the worst. Yeah. Well, and not and not the uncle that was married to her, like a different uncle. No, oh, like her sister. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like, he's like uh, you know, your aunt would never do that. She's not crazy, which is not true from suicidology. Well, first first of all, anyone can do it. It being exactly. having mental illness is not a prerequisite. So many people do it. Yeah. But then, but then he's like, my wife would. She's <laughs> crazy. And she's standing right next to him. Yeah. And doing something that is not at all crazy. Like she's at a funeral of, for her sister who has just died and she's crying like there's nothing crazy about that right no but it was so morbid that i kind of giggled about it and i feel like really (laughs) guilty about it don't feel guilty it was sort of funny because it was like so overtly mean to the woman he's been married to for 40 years or whatever and like it it was it had like the energy of i married the wrong sister if that makes sense yeah 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 Yeah, Yeah. and like i i kind of laugh at things that are so wrong they're kind of funny sometimes and then like but then like roger's face is like please just shut the fuck up yeah shut it old man (laughs) yeah i gotta get back to my hollywood life this movie Okay, I will say this movie does a really good job, especially it feels like the first 20 minutes were a different director because I feel like there was interesting shot choices and it does a really good job of like showing us who Roger is with like Vietnam flashback, losing his child, his wife has divorced him and it like shows a lot of stuff and like how he's dealing with it, which is not, you know, questionable. Not well. Um, What I think is really funny is that, yes, you're right, but I think the movie just devolves as the movie goes along. Yes. (laughs) So like the longer the movie goes, the worse and more bonkers it gets because I kept pausing to see like how much longer it was because I was very tired and the first 30 minutes are just a standard horror movie yeah it's like they got a new director and shot it in reverse because it's like it like starts out decent and then gets worse throughout the movie here is my house franchise headcanon theory it is a metaphor for a group of people and cocaine addiction (laughs) (laughs) they're like we want to make a a horror film let's do it they're like 15 days and they're like somebody brings a little bit of cocaine in and then by like the last third they're like let's rewrite everything i want a child kidnapped that's not his son (laughs) but like a woman brings another child in and then like two twin ghost ghoul things sitting up a chimney then he's got to give him a bath make him look like a good guy then the girl comes then the neighbor comes what do you guys think (laughs) oh my god mikey you're a genius let's shoot it also i got a great sequel idea Is it just like this? No. It's weirder. Same house, though? No. I like the makeup for the Vietnam vet. Let's do that with his grandpa, but a cowboy, and then have like a crystal skull that they have to protect. It's going to be great. What if he has like a cool sidekick dog character? Make it a caterpillar, and I'm in. (laughs) Oh, Oh, damn it. (laughs) 
to me the the movie is a perfect example of people just like losing it as they go on which could be a metaphor for him as well moving into the house yeah this movie is very meta if this is gremlins house two is gremlins two and they had a gremlins two style key and peel meeting of like vegetable gremlin electricity gremlin i don't know fucking stupid gremlin yes yeah caterpillar gremlin you just said a noun and gremlin you are a child you have the mind of a child <laughs> no but i mean like it does feel like it, i mean like you feel him kind of lose it in the house and i kind of i kind of like the traditional horror take on this i love haunted Me house too. movies and i think part of it is probably the their special effects limit so they probably try to go like oh this would be so cool having his like person he left behind in yeah. vietnam be the one coming after him but then they try to do it and they're like well this is kind of silly looking if we make the movie sillier maybe it'll work better i don't i don't know I, I mean they do do a rewrite of the script to make it silly so it was silly at script stage just not the original script gotcha but what i will say is If you think about the bare bones of this movie, a Vietnam vet having flashbacks and dealing with the loss of his son in a haunted house, like that's what this movie is. And if you took it completely serious, that's fucking hereditary, basically. Like that's (laughs) the uh, level of horror movie you could have. Or the changeling. Like you, if you took it completely seriously, <laughs> you could have a hereditary or a changeling on your hands. And instead we have this. <laughs> I do think, Paige, you're right. This is on the level with like A24 gold horror <laughs> movies. You're absolutely right. I think that you're absolutely right. I think you could set it in modern times with actual effects and more yeah. like mental health stuff. And like it would be absolutely terrifying. Who would you cast? John Berenthal or whatever from. Oh, Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say Sebastian Stan because I want Paige to watch it. <laughs> hey, uh, spoiler fucking alert. I would watch it with John Bernthal too. I will watch the ooh, shit ooh, okay, out of John okay. Bernthal. Or if we want him to like lose it, like just Shia LaBeouf and like just give him a bunch oh, of stuff. That, oh, oh. If it's just man versus house and man versus himself, I love it. I mean, that's the Nicolas Cage option is is Shia LaBeouf. I think if you want the good option, John Bernthal is a fantastic choice. And I would watch the shit out of that. And he would fucking nail it. Well, and like, think about it, like, it's actually haunted. Maybe, let's let's say he made a mistake in the war and like that person's haunting him. Right. And then like, he's like walking around, like punching the walls and stuff. And everybody in his life thinks he's like losing it. And then like, he's r- literally fighting his demons. It would be really cool. This movie scratches the surface of the idea that he blames himself for his son's disappearance yes. as karma for what he Mm -hmm. did in the war and i feel like they don't handle it great in this movie but i feel like you could absolutely mine that for some real gritty emotional truths yeah yeah i want the serious john bernthal version of this movie but and that's the thing i was like i was watching this and i was like surprised by what like these serious themes and then yeah. just like 30 minutes and they're like fuck it i want a hand to grab on his back <laughs> and him running around the house yeah no, halfway through this movie they're like oh we're not making an evil dead movie too late yeah too late right which in a way it made me love it as because i was like oh they look like deadites. I'm here for yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we had that little. All right. Netflix, get at us on our John Bernthal house reboot. House reboot. Yeah. I think we shoot it like a house on Haunted Hill. Like it's a 10 part miniseries 
where he is like dealing with his trauma while like rebuilding his house or whatever. I say we redo the whole franchise. I want an anthology haunted house franchise. I don't think you can take house too serious because there's not enough story to make a oh, serious no, 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 no. version. I just want more haunted house films. And I okay. want be like, oh, the new house film's coming out. I wonder what kind of haunted house it'll be. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Have, have this one be the first story and then like, don't go house two. Go even darker. Like, like Conjuring levels good, but without the Christian Avengers. So we cut to a book signing with Roger Cobb where he is experiencing all of the worst kinds of fans in a row. Yes. I loved this scene. One, I thought it was shot so cool. It is shot very cool. You feel you it. You feel it. Yeah. Because the fans are looking right down the barrel of the camera. Like yes. they're intimately looking into your eyes and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you guys noticed this. Danny DeVito's wife is in this scene. Danny DeVito's wife is in this scene. Who is a famous actress on her own. Like hate to refer to her that way because Rhea Perlman is very famous on her own right. Yes. Well, and I think part of it's because she was also on Cheers with George Went. Yeah. Who's clearly in this movie, right? He's the neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's what I think is kind of funny about this scene. And here's what's terrible. It, it's funny to anyone who's ever had fans in a different way than everyone else is that most of these, you never get all of these at one meetup. Right. Most of the people at meetups are cool as shit. Yeah. And they're usually fun and nice and sweet. But every once in a while, you get one of them and you're just like, oh, no. You're the one. <laughs> you're the one. <laughs> We've done meetups for the Horror Virgin for a long, long time. And the people who came to like the first meetups are now like people who are sort of my friends. Like this week was a terrible right. Week yeah. for me. We've talked about it a lot off uh, mic, but like a lot of people have reached out to check in with me and see how Natalie and I are doing and all that stuff. And some of them have been just like the sweetest people and people that I would now consider friends, right? Because they were at those early meetups and I've known them for like three years and we've chatted and stuff and they're good people. But sometimes people show up and they're like very comfortable with you in a way that is uncomfortable. Oh, you mean like hanging out with you? Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> you're only saying that because I try and kiss you on the lips every time we're together. And that is not fair. I just yeah. want to do it once. Why would consent be fair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That actually noted. I, I will yeah, stop doing no, that. That's I'm gonna, fair. I'm yeah. going to side, okay. side with Mike. Yeah, yeah. Todd one. learned um, something today. <laughs> I think what it is is that they've spent so much time listening to you. They feel like you kn they know you, yes, but you've never yeah. met them before. And so that dynamic can be difficult to navigate. Yeah. But my favorite is Rhea Perlman's character who is basically like, aren't you married to Sandy Sinclair? And she just wants to keep talking about Sandy Sinclair. Yeah. Even when he's like, we're divorced now. And I have had people do this to me in a very different way. Not usually for podcast stuff, but at Roast Battle where they're like, I don't really think you're that fat. I was like, I... First of all, I don't care. <laughs> but secondly, <laughs> it's fine. The person I was battling is a person I know. We consented to these jokes. It's fine. Yeah. And they're like, you really shouldn't feel bad about yourself. I'm like, I don't. And they're like, no, really. And I'm like, please stop. <laughs> like, please stop talking to me about this. It's because they saw you get roasted because they're at roast battle and they feel like they need to defend you. And that is sweet, but also misguided. I won. <laughs> Leave me alone. No defense needed. I did the defense. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I mean, I, I understand the compulsion to do that, but it's not necessary, right? It's always a, a, a bulky white guy, a bulky drunk white guy who's just like, whoa, hey. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to have you guys personally attack me. The last guy who did it, uh, was, it was at South by and he was uh, there for the NFT conference. And he that had, is like, not at all shocking. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had like a bright orange name taggy thing too because that's the nft ones were bright orange Ugh. and i was talking to like other industry people about a cool thing i might get to do later this year and i was just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah we should we should connect whatever and he comes up and he's just like hey just so you know i think those nice fat tits are great <laughs> oh like, my god wow <laughs> and it was and it was in it was in reference to a joke i had made oh, okay. at the beginning of the battle where i was like they were like why are you here battling dan and i was like i'm not i'm actually here to promote nfts nice fat tits just like madness yeah uh, but he he did it with no context because again it's that feeling of he's like i know you because i just watched you yeah and shouted it at the very important industry people i was talking to who thankfully had also been in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Okay, that makes that makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah, so they were just like, see, he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and Paige, he did love those nice he fat did. titties. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, <laughs> I mean, I, I happened to be in a dress that was cut perfectly for that joke, so. I've seen a picture on your Instagram, uh, and honestly. All right, guys, I'm getting uncomfortable. Sorry, 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 sorry. I know I'm uncomfortable with sex talk. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about crypto talk? <laughs> I, I do love that Mikey talks about his dick every episode, but won't say pussy. Yeah, but boy, do I have a cryptocurrency for you. How would you like to buy nice fat tits? Fool me once. <laughs> I think we've all bought some sort of weird new cryptocurrency from one of our friends before, and it never works out. Oh, I thought you bought nice fat tits once. No. I mean, if you count all the pizzas I eat, then yes. <laughs> I, I felt really bad because one of the listeners came to South by and I have a picture with them. And it's a great picture, but I'm going to show it to you right now because it is uh, vitamin water levels. Oh. Yeah. Hang, hang tight. It's one of those things that are like, I didn't notice till I looked at the picture later and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh my Damn God, Paige. Paige. I'm surprised you didn't get fined. Are you wearing a push up corset? Like, <laughs> what is not. happening with those I boobs? I think it's a combo of the dress was cut in such a way that it's not cut very low except at the center point. So it kind of like... I'm familiar with cleavage, yes. It helped yeah. a little pushing stuff in, sure. But then also the girl that I am taking the picture with, I think we're standing close together and I've got one arm holding something. And so I think it like smooshed them closer together. I don't know. But I like saw that picture later and I was like, yikes. I call those boosty yay. <laughs> boosty yay. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's what it looked like when the guy was like, nice fat tits in front of of very fancy industry people. You know what? I never thought I'd say this at the beginning of that story page, but he was right. He was right. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to invest. Yeah. <laughs> Cryptocurrency is a thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I did as a joke go, that's only okay when I say it. <laughs> and then he walked away. Good. But I was like, secretly though, that is only okay when I say it. Yeah. That's our word. That's our <laughs> that, That's my tiptoe currency. <laughs> anyway. So his fans are intense. His manager is bugging him to get a new copy to the editor. He even says, like, if you don't deliver a book by the end of the month, you'll have to repay your advance to Doubleday. Yeah. Well, and he's kind of callous about it because he's like, 
You lost your wife, you lost your kid. Nobody wants to read about Vietnam anymore. Just write a good horror book. And I do think they're kind of setting him up a little bit like a, a Stephen King a little bit. That's what I thought. Yeah. This, yeah, I could see that. Uh, we cut back to his apartment where he opens his fridge, takes out one of many TV dinners, doesn't even open the box. I didn't even know you could do this. You can't. I like, can't, wow. Mikey. He tosses it in the microwave and sets it for 30 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, that dude's going to burn his house down. Is that dude a microwave technology at the time or now that was a question i had because i was like this is 1985 microwaves were different they have changed i still think you needed to unwrap it probably but i do think maybe 30 minutes is more accurate to to microwave okay. at the time oh wow uh, but if you Can did you this imagine? today it would just it'd be, be like it'd be like two and a half minutes. flaming inferno <laughs> yeah. just charred box yeah that's why he moves, because he burned that house down. Then he goes to like his computer to yes. type his Vietnam story, and it's the least ergonomic setup I've ever seen for typing. Well, I mean, that's what computers were like back in the day. Yeah. Well, he was on a coffee table, and you have to actually bend down forward. I mean, there's that still true. exists in 1985. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. The thing that I thought was funny is that I didn't remember seeing a computer in his aunt's house, and then he has a computer there to write. And I was like, did he lug his Apple II to this damn house? <laughs> like, what is happening? Yes, he did. Page in the 90s, I would lug my whole computer and be like, oh, I'm going to play Command and Conquer with my friends. To land parties? Here's my monitor. Here's Mikey. my computer. Yes. Yeah. I'm not even joking. I would do land parties too. Like, absolutely. <laughs> and you bring <laughs> your entire setup to someone's house and set it up in their basement and their mom brings you sandwiches you guys don't deserve nfts <laughs> and that was when that was when video games and technology where our parents were like thank god they're not leaving the house they're gonna be such good kids <laughs> and we're like bye mom we're gonna go virtually kill people bye bye <laughs> yeah i was on that sega genesis tip I still remember lugging my Xbox One over to my yeah. uh, sorry my first Xbox to play Halo One with other yeah. people and I yes. played Halo like four screen split screen Halo One with people yeah oh. see that I do remember I do remember people lugging their Xboxes yeah. and even Playstations around so like that's not as weird to me we've taken our PlayStation to my parents house well those guys were losers because your PC is more powerful okay? <laughs> I agree with Henry Cavill PC master life my friend. Oh, Henry Cavill. Ooh. What if he was a Vietnam vet with a missing child? <laughs> I don't know if he's got the smolder no, I need he doesn't. for this. He doesn't have the smolder. It's got to be John Bernthal. John Bernthal he or nobody. He could be the neighbor, though. He could be the neighbor. I want him tears running down his face just like yelling at his house. You know what I'm saying? See, that's why you need John Bernthal. I know Todd mm -hmm. recommended Sebastian Stan, but if you put Sebastian Stan in it, you get the shining. Like you get like <laughs> full Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Also here for it, but like John Bernthal is what you want for this. Yes. I wish that movie existed. I Let's just, just make it, Mikey. What are we talking about? Okay. Just go watch his episode of Hot Ones. It'll just make you love John Bernthal even more. I love I love everything he does. Yeah, I know. Same. Anyway, back to this movie. I okay. do like that the title of his Vietnam book is One Man's Story, A Personal Account of the Vietnam War. And yeah. I was like, what did you buy this at Aldi or Walmart? This is like the white label version of a story. You couldn't come <laughs> up with like an actual title. It's the store brand title. <laughs> like. It's like Kirkland presents one man's story, <laughs> story on a personal account of Vietnam. Sam's Club Select. 
a personal yep. account of the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> he starts writing and then immediately stops, goes to his adverse book, calls the FBI, and they're like, hey, dude, we don't have any news on your kid. We will call you. And also stop calling the CIA about it. They talk to us and we're both upset about it. It's a real wild phone call. I love that he just like in the middle of this like setup, the way that they're like, oh, we need to establish that his kid is missing. Right. And the way they do that is he calls the FBI directly. I loved it because I was like, it's crazy. Oh, and his kid's missing. <laughs> It is. Guess who's bonkers. our number one suspect? Oh, I know. And he would be for sure. I mean, they always go to like the loved ones first, right? Right. I also love that he's like, okay, okay, okay. And the guy on the phone is like, listen, if we have some information, we will call you. And he's like, fine. He hangs up the phone and the phone rings immediately. And I was like, there's no way they found his kid, right? Like, they can't find <laughs> yeah, his no. kid that fast, right? That'd be really, <laughs> really funny, though, if they're just like, oh, uh, turns out he was in the back. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> he's like, here. I don't know why, but like, he's here. Can you get to Langley? Like, <laughs> yeah, He was under this book on the coffee table. We just didn't pick stuff up when we were looking. So I'm funny. sorry. <laughs> so good. He was in the promo section on one of the end caps. Uh, so the phone rings again and it's his wife, Sandy, and she's at an award show and he like turns up music so he doesn't sound alone. But my favorite is Sandy is at a payphone, and people keep trying to come up and take her photo because she won an award or she lost an award. Right. But like, she was nominated. Yeah. Yeah. She was nominated. They keep trying to take her photo while she's on the phone. Yeah. And she's, and she's having to do the awkward, like, pose while she's on the yeah, phone. Like, like, yeah, it's very funny. It's yeah. real hilarious. But she's, like, low-key TV famous. It was, like, the Emmys or some shit. Like, they did not say what it was, though. Yeah, it's definitely the Emmys. Daytime Emmys. It's daytime Emmys. It's gotta be, she's, right? She's, she's on a soap, soap opera. Yeah. A soap opera that, by the way, is fucking bananas. Oh, <laughs> like, I loved when they show I love Oh, that my scene. God. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny, yeah. But it seems like his, his ex-wife is still cares about him and oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not yeah. enough to, like go check on him when he's possibly really not doing well. She does show up at the end of the movie. She, she does show yeah. up at the end of the movie. Which is days or weeks later if you count sunrises and sunsets. It's, yeah, if you count, <laughs> but that's just the movie. I think canonically in the movie, it's one day later. The same day? Yeah, the next day. So he, she doesn't make it at 6.30 that morning because she has to be on set. She says, I'll try and come by after. And so yeah. I think it's that evening. I, yeah. I legit thought it was like a week long that this no. happened. Well, that's because the sun and night is bonkers in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, is it really a, is yeah, it really two days? No, he's there for longer, but by the from the time that he calls and is like, you gotta get out here. Yeah. It's like a day, maybe a day and a half max. I think it's that night. I mean, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter because this movie is so batshit insane. But like, no, I thought because the closet thing only comes out at midnight. So that, that happens at least three times. There's there's at least three of those, right? Yeah, there are. But two of them happen before he calls her. That's okay. true. That's true. OK, there's yeah. only one after he calls her. Yeah. So like, I think they they get through a night. Because he probably calls her before midnight. No, I guess it, there must has to be one more. When does Norm call her? Norm hasn't seen it before he calls her. So he calls her before it happens or around the time it happens one of those times. Because he kind of shoes Norm out of the house after the midnight snack. Yeah. Then uh, she can't make it the next morning because she has to be on set. Then it happens one more time. So she comes the day after. Wow. I'm just picturing in my head the director of this film like listening to us talk about this. And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> He's probably like, I made a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Here's my headcanon of, of how this went down. Because they also seem to be very recently divorced. My headcanon was 
that they lost their child. Now, it says three months in the movie. I I feel like some of the stuff that they set up suggests longer, but whatever. This movie can't even figure out days, let alone months. Um, I think the kid goes missing. That basically drives a wedge in their relationship and that's why they get divorced yeah because that happens to so many people it does so yeah. that was my headcanon is that part of the reason they're divorced is because the kid's gone and so it's not that they don't love each other it is just a very difficult scenario to na- navigate yeah you know plus he's having non-flashbacks all the time <laughs> um yeah and that might be difficult to live with especially like an angry john bernthal that'd be you know terrifying and hot uh but <laughs> You know, we would sell so many tickets. I I, first in line anyway. So he hangs up the phone and we cut to him having a nightmare. And it is his son like in the jungle because you do hear like jungle sounds. And then you see a zombie hand pop up right near the kid. Yeah. So he wakes up, packs a suitcase. And by packs, I mean, he throws clothes at an open suitcase. I love that so much. Like it was so bonkers. Yep. But like he's throwing suits on hangers at an open suitcase. <laughs> at an open suitcase. So wild. Yeah. Uh, we cut to out in front of the house, which it says a Craven Realty exclusive. Oh, I didn't see that. Nice. Okay. Yeah. He goes inside. He talks to the realtor. Hate this guy. The realtor? Why? Yeah. He almost kills the main dude. Oh, with a harpoon. Yeah, you're right. And he's just like, oh, and this painting's ugly. He doesn't know art, and he almost he murders know the shit main about character. Art, and yeah. he almost murdered not John Bernthal. <laughs> but this serves to kind of give us a tour of the house, which is kind of perfect because, like, mm-hmm. it sets up. Okay, here's the studio where all the tools and the harpoons are. Here's the office with the biggest big mouth Billy Bass you've ever seen. And then here are the paintings that no one appreciates that they fucking should. And then here are the bedrooms. And so now we kind of have a sense of what the house is like. Yeah. And he basically is like, I'm not going to sell it. Also, I grew up here. Yeah. She raised me, essentially. Yeah, after his mom died, she raised me, is what he says. Yeah. Right. We get out to the backyard where he has a flashback about the pool, and it's about his son playing in the yard with trucks, and then he's gone, and he sees a car driving away, which, by the way, is very likely a reference to a very famous kidnapping case that happened this year. Yeah. It is like shot for shot the Johnny Gosh case. Yeah. But then on top oh, of that, he, he turns and then he sees the kid in the pool. So he tries to dive into the pool to save the kid. I think the kid was in the pool because the pool turns out to basically be like a portal. Yeah. Yeah. I think the car driving away is a coincidence. It's like a misdirection. Yeah. yeah. It's a misdirect, but it's also definitely a misdirect because that case was so famous this year that like people would have had that in mind. That case started all kinds of shit, man. It's okay. So that case is the reason that uh, missing kids were on milk cartons. Yeah. And I went and saw uh, a movie recently. I won't say what it is because I don't want to spoil anything. And it's set six years before this and a character goes to drink out of a milk carton and it has a missing photo on it. And it took me right out of the moment. I was like, (laughs) fuck you. I know that didn't happen until later. Damn it. Nice. Hey, you're so picky about movies. Dude, the rest of the movie was so good. I let it go. But like for a hot second, I was like, you did so much research for all the rest of this movie. What the fuck? Anyway, because they're probably like, it would be really cool. It is really cool, but it's the wrong year. And if you know it, you're just like, eh, eh, fine. And there's a poster for Stab 2 in the background. I'm not going <laughs> to Hey, hey, people's faces on milk cartons as missing persons has a very distinct and specific timeline related to a specific case. Paige, I know. 
And it's a case that I have studied. So it bothers me when people get it wrong because it's an easily Googleable thing. Yeah. But Paige, I've never actually been to 1979, so I can't really feel empathy for characters in that <laughs> Anyway, he comes back from his flashback and he tours the studio and the realtor's like, oh, this will make a great guest house. Uh, you can lease it out. And this is where he almost kills him with a harpoon and talking shit about the painting that's like yeah awesome it's a pretty fucking awesome painting but he does he almost like hits him right in the throat with that harpoon yeah but this is also where roger reveals that his aunt thought the house was haunted and he knew that and had thought it was haunted for a long time and we get like a kind of a flashback to after the sun disappeared and they're like the cops are like we'll put out an apb but like we just kind of have to wait at this point and the aunt is like oh the house did it it was the house and the wife, his wife, his son's mother, Sandy, is like, can you shut up? Like, I'm trying to find a real life solution to the problem, basically. And the aunt is just like, touchy. And it's like, yeah, a kid's <laughs> missing, lady. Like, damn. Anyway, this is where Roger says he's not selling. And right. so we cut to later that night where he's now living there. He's brought his computer to write his, you know, Safeway Select novel about the Vietnam War. <laughs> One man's story. And he walks around this office that has, again, the biggest Big Mouth Billy Bass ever. It's a giant marlin. It held the record for two years, Paige. For what? The best karaoke from a bass mounted on a wall? The biggest fish on the wall. There was some guy in a bar who was like, you know what we should do? What they did in house, but like make it sing a song. And then like that became a famous thing in the 90s. Have you seen where people have hacked Big Mouth Billy Basses yes. to make the <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> my great. favorite thing ever? Yeah. To make them sing other stuff or say dark shit. <laughs> yeah, he handles this the way you should handle it if your friend has a Big Mouth Billy Bass on their wall. Yeah. You should shoot it. Well, I mean, he does that later. But yeah, he pricks his finger on the shark's tooth because there's like a, a shark mouth thing. Yeah. Because uh, apparently his uncle was like a hardcore harpoon fisher yeah but he hears something upstairs so he walks through the bedrooms upstairs he checks the lights nothing checks his son's room nothing he goes to his aunt's bedroom and she's there with the noose and she says the house won it tricked me i didn't think it could but it knows everything about you leave while you can and then she jumps as if she's going to hang herself again but disappears yeah so he goes back downstairs and takes a valium now, hear me out for our dark John Bernthal version. <laughs> is it in his head or is it truly happening? Oh, I think it's actually happening. That's the so question. So in my script for the John Bernthal version, his parents get murdered in that house while he's like a teenager. And he joins the army after that because he blames himself for not protecting his family. Oh, Ooh. genius. I love it. So he sees their murder a lot. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Almost like an Amityville. Yeah. Uh -huh. Amityville plus like war stuff coming in there. He sees all of it. What's I'm real? What's here not here for this? Anyway, so we cut to the next day uh, and he wears the deepest V to take the trash out. You mean like this? Oh, it's deeper than that, Mikey. It's so deep. <laughs> it dug down to the base of my soul. I loved it because like I'd wear that shirt. I can't wear deep V's like that. I'll put eyes out. Paige, we saw. <laughs> but yeah he is like freshly waxed to chest like wanting to show it off to the neighborhood like it is he's deep. brazilian mikey <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke the listeners aren't gonna get but i'm gonna leave in who cares <laughs> uh so as he's taking the trash out he's this is the first time he sees tanya if that's her real name <laughs> 
Yeah, because she runs by, but she also looks yeah. exactly like his ex-wife. So yeah, he's like he's, super into it. He's got a type. And she goes to the house across the street, which I could be wrong, but I think I, I think I'm right, is also Montez's house in Workaholics. Oh, shit. And those houses are not on the same block by any stretch. I think they just filmed the outside of a house that they could easily like, you know, do Fake coverage it? on. Yeah. Yeah, but it looks like Montez's house in Workaholics. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know if it is, but it very much resembles it. So this is where he meets Harold, and Harold does the like, man, I'm so glad I've got a new neighbor. The lady before you was a nuts old hag. She was mean as shit, and he's like, oh, she's my aunt. Beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, loved her. She had a heart of gold on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. It's so funny. And so he invites him for burgers and to watch the game, and he's like, hey, I'm up here for solitude to get away from things. And it's pretty clear that Harold does not super understand solitude, um, but also Harold is his biggest fan and hands him a pile of like what used to be a book that's just like pages that he's read so much that they aren't even connected anymore. The cover has disintegrated. Like it's it's a loose book. Like it's just like loose sheets that are in order of a book. It's his comfort book. I have a book that is that messed up and I'm just trying to find it. Hold on. And Paige has The Princess Bride flipped out, and it is also tattered. But your book still has its cover on. Like, there are no loose pages in that book falling out of your pockets. They're tucked in. There are a few that have fallen out. Oh, wow. Anyway, so he does not autograph it. He's like, let's do this later. Well, yeah, because no one has a pen. Like, it made sense to me. And they're neighbors, and they're yeah. going to want to do each other again at some point. Yeah. So we cut to, he goes back into the house. We cut to Vietnam, and we meet kind of his platoon, and... Uh, he tries to bum a cigarette from, I think it's Bob is his name? Ben. It's Ben, not Bob. Oh, yeah. You mean the guy who he doesn't save later or doesn't kill later or whatever? Yeah. It's, right. Yeah. You're the guy from Night Court. Yeah. He's Bull from Night Court, but his name in this is Big Ben. Yeah. Big Ben. Uh, so he bums a cigarette off of him. And as he goes to open the packet of cigarettes, there's a tiny snake inside. Yeah. And he freaks out. And as they're all freaking out, someone throws a grenade and they kind of have to like die for safety. Yeah. Well, because they get ambushed, they get attacked by the, uh, you know, Viet Cong. Yes. The Viet yes. Cong. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. second there was an explosion, it just made me think of that shot in Tropic Thunder where Ben Stiller's hands are blown off. Oh my God. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, <laughs> like crying over him. And he just says, when we get back to the world, I'm going to teach you how to juggle. And it <laughs> gets me every time. <laughs> So there's so much wrong with that movie, but just the like, when we get back to the world, I'm going to teach you how to juggle every time. The movie that single-handedly saved Tom Cruise's career. I know. That is like, I feel like somebody has to have done an oral history of that. And I'd be very, very curious because it really kind of does. Yeah. And that's the only movie where he's not wearing like prosthetics and like heavy special effects makeup. <laughs> Also, side note, I saw on Netflix under romantic movies, Top Gun was the second movie. So watch out for romancing the pod. I mean, there is a romance in it between him and Val Kilmer, clearly. Take yeah. my breath away. Anyway, we cut to the present where he's watching a movie on TV and it seems to be like a horror movie. Yeah. Where it's like, who did this to you, Dr. Stevens? And he turns it off, goes back to writing. But as he does, he sees his son kind of laughing through the window outside and he turns him off with the remote as well. Which was nuts. He literally <laughs> yeah. takes the remote and turns his son off. Which is why there's a part of it that's like, 
if you take this in a direction of is he actually seeing it or is it in his head, it could be fucking terrifying and yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, he checks the rooms again. Uh, he doesn't find anything. He goes to the bathroom, opens the medicine cabinet, angle on the mirror, but no payoff. Right. He goes back to the room, turns on the lights, and he sees like the doorknob kind of moving and it's a closet. The clock chimes midnight and he opens it again and it's a giant creature with a ton of faces. It is very evil dead. Yes. Very yeah. Sam Raimi looking. It is. And he gets scratched and then I guess just goes back to sleep. He must. Yeah. yeah he must just go back to sleep. Maybe he slept downstairs. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The next day, a whole truck full of camera equipment arrives and he sets it all up. So funny. But my favorite is like he sets up some of them are video cameras. Some of them are just photo cameras yeah. that he's like plugging into stuff. And then a handful of them are just disposable cameras that he just has set out. And I'm like, what are you going to do with those, man? Like you have to use like you have to press the button. Like, what are you doing? He's not what I would call in a good place. No, he's not. But it was wild to me. Like, he sets up like a bunker of cameras pointing at yeah. the closet. Yeah. While he's in army fatigue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. He's in his Vietnam gear. Yeah. I also think it's funny that he must have ordered those four days ago. Yeah. Because they arrived the next morning. Like, and there's no internet. Like, you can't Amazon Prime ship you cameras yeah, this is in like this era. this calling from a yes. catalog. Yeah. 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 Now, what I will say, it depends on where he is. He could have a local camera store. The movie doesn't fully set up where he is. There are some suggestions based on things that the neighbor said and a couple other people said that maybe he's in Northern California, but it's unclear. Uh, his wife is clearly in Los Angeles and his apartment is clearly in Los Angeles. And we do have camera stores that could deliver same day, even back then. Sure, that makes sense in LA or like New York or a city like that, right? Yeah, and so... If he's not in Northern California, if he is in L.A., just slightly north of the city. Yeah, that's possible. I guess that was my headcanon for it. I mean, that sort of checks out. I don't hate that. I'll go with that. Yeah. So he sets up a bunker and a string to open the door and he's just about to kind of test it out because he does like a test run of him running outside <laughs> and runs into the test run of him running outside is like that is the telltale sign of, oh, man, we got to pad the runtime because we see all of it, all of it. But it also and he does like a knee slide down the like walkway of the house. It's Kevin McAllister levels of running out of the house, though. Like it is the opening of the Goofy movie. It's <laughs> Like it's that. Yeah, but he he does like jump all the way down the stairs, jump out the front door, jump down those stairs, and then knee slides, yeah. and then he runs into the guy from Cheers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he just says, "Writing looks fun, huh?" And like watches as <laughs> Roger goes back inside. He's like, "Yeah, solitude. Bye." <laughs> And then he goes back to his camera bunker, which, again, is a lot of disposable cameras yeah. not connected to anything. He pulls the door open. It's just a closet. He waits for midnight and here's the chime. He runs back up and he's about to check all the cameras. He's just about to pull the door when Harold interrupts and scares the hell out of him. Yeah. And this is the whole I brought you a midnight snack. Yeah. Like, hey, I be and eat with Chinese food. Like, <laughs> Honestly, if that was Mikey, Mikey, you're always allowed to be any with Chinese. I'm on board. Yeah. But I mean, like, you got to be, you just saw this man running around in fatigues earlier today. Maybe not breaking into his house. Yeah. That's true, too. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, knock on the door with Chinese anytime. Absolutely, yeah. So they go downstairs to eat the Chinese food, and Harold is like, yo, what's with all the cameras upstairs? And he's like, do you believe in ghosts? And he's like, <laughs> um, hey, I'm just here for the Chinese food, buddy. Right. Uh, but this is where he reveals that the ant thought the place was haunted, and he's like, yeah, but your aunt's crazy. And he's like, well, do you think I'm crazy? And he's like, no. You seem fine right now. <laughs> he's like, you, you've been to Nam, you lost a kid and your wife, but you seem fine. Yeah, you're <laughs> doing just- great. That's how I talk to people. I'm like, because people will be like, am I crazy? I'm like, no, you've been through a lot. This is like a normal reaction to someone who's been to Vietnam, lost a child, gotten divorced. I mean, this is a lot of stressors on you. Yeah. But in your mind, you're like, oh, my God, this hurts as crazy as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I can't reveal my secret. (laughs) (laughs) The secret is everyone's crazy. He, He tells him the story of what happened the night before and how he opened the door and something reached out and grabbed him. And he opens his shirt to show the scratches. Yeah. But that monster did absolutely reach out and touch boob. Yeah, yeah, but like did. they just look like a scratch, <laughs> and they're pretty. Like he could have done it himself. I would have been very skeptical. He could have. There is a Law and Order SVU episode where a girl self inflicts wounds uh, to match a serial killer's uh, comic. It's a. It's complicated. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> but Detective Stabler's on the case. Ooh, he could be on my case anytime. Mm, dude's sixty and fit. I love it. Still hit it. Oh, uh, hell yeah. So he does take him up to see the cameras and Harold's just like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go. Uh, and as he leaves, <laughs> he swipes the address book off the front table. Yeah. And immediately calls his wife and is just like, hey, I know we don't know each other, but I'm your husband's neighbor and he's losing it. Yeah, he's having a rough time. He's having flashbacks. I'm worried about him hurting himself. I mean, like he does the right thing here calling calling his wife i think ex-wife guys ex-wife 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 yeah. she basically says like hey i have to be on set at 6 30 tomorrow and it's the middle of the night so like it's gonna limit how soon she can get there and, and so she's like i will come out there but like can you keep an eye on him and she gives him her daytime number yeah and he see he says i'll call you if something bad happens bye yeah she dials the phone to try and call roger is the implication although we never see who like he never actually picks it up right we do see it ringing in the house though so like it establishes that she calls which is important for later right Mm -hmm. we cut to another vietnam flashback where it's him and big ben and they take points so they're walking ahead of the rest of the platoon and big ben just has a death wish Oh, yeah. Big Ben is just like, I'm going to win the Vietnam War by myself. Yeah. And he's not Rambo. It doesn't really seem like his character to haunt this guy. I mean, I guess what he does at the end really pisses Big Ben off. But I guess. Yeah. Um, But so Big Ben moves ahead kind of faster and in a different direction than they were originally intending. Yeah. Big Ben's got that big Jesse Ventura energy from predator yes and he's carrying all of the bandoliers of bullets and it's just like i ain't got time to bleed like it's so great absolutely it made me want to watch predator i was like man (laughs) that's what we should have done is predator Predator 2 i thought about it but you had already gone to bed and then i couldn't it wasn't streaming a ton of places but i do kind of want to get uh blaine to come back for predator for predator 2 oh yeah that would be amazing since he's never seen it he's never seen it anyway it's implied in this flashback that they are surrounded or potentially in danger very close to uh, the Viet Cong. Well, yeah, because Big Ben wouldn't shut up. He was clucking like a chicken. He was making all kinds of noise, which it would be easy to spot them in the jungle if they were making all that kind of noise. Yeah, he's Jesse Ventura without the love interest from Predator. (laughs) (laughs) That's my best subplot of that story. I love that. I stand by that. Yeah. Stand by it. Uh, But as they're walking... 
he walks past a toy car and it's the toy car that his son was playing with. Yes, it is. Yeah. And he pops back to present day where he sees the, the giant Marlin Billy Mouth Bass. Uh, the eye is moving and then it starts flopping like a Billy, Big Mouth Billy Bass. Yeah. I thought that that was actually pretty cool. The eye. I was like, nice. That's well done. Yeah. And then the flopping. I was like, oh, I've seen this, but normally it's singing. Yeah. 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 Well, the like eye part, I was like, oh, no, there's another giant Marlin behind that Marlin. (laughs) 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 That shit would be hilarious that 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 was the reveal. (laughs) Anyway, he gets the gun from the studio and loads it. But as he does, the tools in the studio are floating and coming after him. And they are aggressively on strings. Yes. Just (laughs) they're not trying to hide the strings. No, this is the point where the film deviates. Oh yes. yeah, but I would like. I like that he like just grabs a gun and shoots everything that comes out of the closet. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. okay, that, that sounds bad. I mean, shoots all the monsters in the house, but they all come out of that one closet. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he does shoot the big mouth Billy Bass, and then he covers it with a towel, and then just leaves it there for the rest of the movie. So yeah. like, at no point is anyone like, "Why is there a giant towel over that Marlin?" Just his neighbor who's like, "I think something's going on in this house." <laughs> yeah. And Are you right. showering in here, bud? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> happening? He goes to the bathroom to try and avoid the floating tools. He accidentally drops most of his Valium down the drain. He hears noises in the other room and grabs the gun. The floating tools have followed him. And he runs downstairs to kind of get outside where we reveal that Sandy has showed up or at least what looks like Sandy. Now, yeah. we all know that she said she couldn't come. So it's a little strange to see her. But I believed it. Me too. At I first, too. I was like, oh, I guess she got out of her shoot that day because she was worried about her hus- her ex-husband. Yeah. Well, and she says, I tried to call, but there was no answer. And I was worried about you. I wanted to see you. Why do you have a gun? And she gets him to put the gun down. But as soon as he does, she transforms into a mon- monster. So he picks it up again. She looks like a killer clown from outer space. She does. When she bends down to like do something under the table and then comes back up as the monster i was like oh shit okay we're going for it i mean it wasn't like super scary but i was like oh wow i did not expect that yeah well so he fires which literally propels her out the door onto the (laughs) porch porch. yep it's much like the scene in Django unchained where he's like say goodbye (laughs) to miss whoever and then she's like goodbye miss whoever and then he fires and it like just literally wire like wrecks her back into the other room okay specifically that shot in Django Unchained is bonkers because he shoots her and she gets dragged in another direction (laughs) yeah it's still one of my favorite parts of the movie (laughs) I was like who did this like this is terrible like I mean I was on board for it but it's also great yeah I was like is it terrible or is it fantastic cinema? It is just weird that a movie with like themes that are as serious as Django Unchained would also like try to swing hard at comedy. But yeah, it does. Well, and I, I think in part because at that point in Django Unchained, you're so rooting for all of those people to die yeah. that you're just like, that's right. <laughs> like drag her back into that room. Uh, anyway, so the neighbor calls and reports it as as him attempting to uh, complete suicide. I'm guessing the neighbor didn't see the body. He just heard the gunshot. No, I think he did because when we we see his perspective, it is his wife who is dead on the porch. But also the wife's not there. No, but he didn't see the body. He just sees him kneeling down on the front porch after two gunshots. So he gets on the phone. He's like, I think I need to report a suicide attempt. (laughs) In the reality, his wife is not there. Right. It's the monster or whatever. The haunting. It's the monster. But that body, the, the monster's body does exist. Well, but she's still 
the wife. Yeah, so he's crying about it. Well, yeah. but also, does the monster's body exist to anyone outside of him? I mean, maybe oh, that little question. kid, because the hand is on the back, but who, maybe he's the only one that can see that. No, I, I don't think so, because when, quote unquote, Tanya is in the pool, he's out back burying something, and she references the thing in the bag, right? So It like, could have been leaves. It could have been any number of things. <sighs> yeah. This is why a serious version would be so good. I know. This is a tale of two sisters question of like, what's in the bag? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But also a question for a movie that we're watching in a few weeks. What's in the box? <gasps> Are we doing seven? Okay. Paige and I have like months of movies lined up for yeah. some reason. I love how you guys are super organized, but we had to, at the drop of a hat, pick a new movie for today. Shut up, Todd. Foiled <laughs> again. I want to do Dawn of the Dead so badly. I know. You've talked about it since you started on the podcast. I do too. I understand. Anyway, he drags what he believes to be his wife's body into the cabinet under the stairs uh, because she's a wizard. Uh, and <laughs> she's not. No, she's dead. She's not there. Uh, anyway, yeah. the police show up and he's trying to like reset everything and make everything look hunky dory, believing that he has his wife's body under the stairs. And they're like, yeah, uh, we had a report of the fire, a firing, like you fired a gun. He's like, oh, I was cleaning it and it went off. And they're like, what? You were cleaning a loaded gun. Wait, were you loading it? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Well, and they find the shells on the floor, right? Yeah. And they like use his bathroom and he's freaked out thinking they're going to discover the wife's body, not realizing that it's not there. Right. It doesn't exist. Um, but this is also where they're like, hey, didn't you write blood dance? All right. You have a good day, sir. <laughs> I do love that the cop is like asking him if he wrote blood dance and all of that stuff. And he's like, hey, let me ask you a favor. And then he thinks he's going to ask for an autograph. Right. And he's like, let me use your bathroom. Yes. So Harold <laughs> reveals that he was the one who called. Yeah. And, and openly so. But the police stay for coffee. They don't really find anything. They leave. He goes back to that cabinet and his wife's body is gone. Yeah. Because it was truly never there. It was never there. I was like, oh, thank God. Because I think for a second I was like, he really killed his wife. Me I was too. Like, this movie's so dark. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, this is real dark. So he goes into the bedroom and see, like, just in time to see the closet door close. And he goes to reach for it, but... The witch, that's what she's tagged as on Amazon, if you pause it, is the witch. Oh, okay. So she's the witch. The other two are creepies, I think is what they're tagged as. The little ones? Yeah. Okay. So the witch is right behind him with the gun. She, like, pistol whipped, well, not pistol, like, gun butts him to the ground. Yeah, with the the butt of the shotgun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... She is basically taunting him like, where's your son? You'll never find him. He's dead. He's somewhere in the house. Uh, She goes to pull the trigger, but it's not loaded. He hits her with a fireplace poker and she again gets him with the gun butt. Yeah. um, But manages to open the door and the floating tools cut her head off, which I thought her and the floating tools were on the same team. So, you know, maybe they're being controlled by the creepies. Maybe. I don't know. But if this is just Big Ben messing with him, that makes sense, too. Yeah, then we get a real fun Linda Ronstadt song as he trash bags up all of the pieces of the witch. Yeah. And then goes to bury it in the yard. Um, And again, he's burying what is clearly a body or at least looks like a body. And then this is where Tanya comes up from the swimming pool, Phoebe Kate style. And it's just like, what's up? Your aunt let me use to swim in this pool. And he's like, get out of here. I'm burying a body. I'm burying a he body. He honestly stuff. seemed like he was a little okay with it, though, because he's well, yeah. super into blondes that look like that. 
Yeah, well. and he's like, it's an apricot tree. And I'm like, bad lie. <laughs> oh, is that what he says is in the bag? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he says is in the bag. Yeah. But then the hand like grabs his ankle and is like about to grab her, so he steps on it. I love that when she starts to walk away saying, We should play later tonight or whatever, he beats the hell out of it with the shovel. With the and then she so turns funny. around and he stops. Like, it's so funny to me. She's still like five paces away. Oh, that's so close. Like, yeah. He does not wait for her to get far enough away. Before he's like beating the shit yeah, out of it. You would definitely hear him like the impact of the shovel on a bag. You would hear it. She hears it. She's like, I like a man who works hard or whatever. Yeah, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and then she goes back to the pool, which is again, like I within eyesight of this. And he then chops the body up and buries it all over the yard. Yeah. A body that he thought was his wife for a while. <laughs> yeah. For a little it's, bit. This whole movie's crazy. It's nuts. We cut to him kind of walking around the house, seeing like pictures and toys that used to be his son's. He goes out to the pool to kind of check on the stuff he buried and he sees a dog digging up one of the hands and goes to chase the dog. He tries to get in the car, but he doesn't have the keys. He goes to find the keys and there's a knock at the door and it is Tanya yeah. who is literally dropping off her son, Robert, being like, he loves to play. It's See so ya. bonkers. <laughs> like, Bye. It is crazy that she leaves her child <laughs> with a man she met that day and does a not total know. total stranger. Yeah. Because if you leave your kid with a total stranger, there is a chance it may be relatively small that they just buried a body and a bunch of body parts around <laughs> the, the yard. Yep. Yeah. There is a chance, man. Well, and as he sees her little kid, it seems to have the the witch hand on his back. Yes. So he like <laughs> runs away with the kid and like pries the hand off the back and then flushes it. Also, oh, oh yeah, flushes a so hand, full on witch hand down a, a toilet. Full hand and down it a toilet. works. Like I've never flushed anything that big Look, down a toilet. I like a couple days ago, I flushed a full on witch hand down that toilet. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, all right, but okay, so. If you had a kid and you were taking him to a stranger's house to be babysat by that stranger, the kid runs off, that stranger won't let you follow, and then you catch them coming out of the bathroom together, that would be an area of concern, I feel. It'd be a red banner, not just a flag, yeah. but like a giant waving red banner. Not Tanya. Tanya's like, peace out. I got to go meet Gary at the neighborhood bar or whatever. Yeah, she's like, I got a date. Have a good night. Oh, man. She like gives Roger stuff for a bath his blanket his like stuffed animals that he sleeps with at night like he is prepped for a long night of babysitting yeah this is not like watching for an hour while i go to the store this is like no i'm gonna be gone perhaps getting lucky and i'll be back just before midnight well and she kisses him full on the lips before leaving which is also bonkers it's so crazy yeah that's the one part mikey was into though it's like a woman coming over, giving him a child, kissing him on the lips, and then leaving. Look, I lived that, and it wasn't super fun. <laughs> oh, Mikey. <laughs> should, should I cut that? No, I don't care. All right. Anyway, we cut to <laughs> Roger working on his book while watching his wife's soap opera. Yeah. And just the few lines we get from this soap opera are bonker i love it no notes it's so great yeah because it's like you abused my sister and my twin sister and it's this whole thing and he's like but i've been a male prostitute this my whole entire time. life your Paige. sister hired me for my services he yeah. says i've been a male prostitute my entire, my entire life, life. <laughs> when i heard that i was like 
I immediately have nine questions. Like, how does that happen? Did you start at a very young age? Well, I was a featured extra on Showtime's Journalist. <laughs> I started Cowboys for Angels in the 70s. <laughs> anyway, the baby's getting tired because he's a baby. Dude, a lot of the scenes with Roger and the baby are super cute. Like, they're super sweet. Giving him a bath and they're playing back and forth and like he's watching TV and uh, the baby gets tired and Roger's like, oh, you got them sleepy eyes. Yeah, it's so sweet. But he doesn't give him a bath until after he's kidnapped by two monsters. Oh, that is true. Yeah, Yeah. we haven't gotten there yet. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But he does tuck him in and then goes back to his Vietnam flashbacks where (laughs) Ben gets shot like a lot. Like they're immediately surrounded. Ben gets shot and it's clearly bothering Roger to write about it. So he gets to check on Robert and Robert's gone and he runs upstairs just in time to see one of the creepies taking him inside one of the rooms. Yeah. He bursts in just in time to see them take him up the chimney. He climbs up the chimney and tries to pull him back. He does manage to pull Robert back down. This kid, you can tell he comes from a really troubled home because he doesn't even like this. He's crying when he's like getting like nice loving Mm -hmm. attention. And then like when two creepies are pulling up a chimney, he's like super chill about it. Yeah. I mean, that baby is shockingly chill about it. And like so that just tells me he grows up in chaos and this is what he's used to. So, I mean, I feel bad for that kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he manages to finally pull him down and then give him a bath yeah. to wash all the chimney well, soot off yeah, of him. Yeah, when you say pull him down, like he, that kid gets dragged around like almost the entire house and then up the chimney like he's a Christmas tree that has a light that won't light on one side. Like, <laughs> right, it right, was right. nuts. So he gets him all bathed and it basically doesn't let him out of his sight at that point. And Tanya comes home. He hands the kid back over. It's not midnight yet. He gets Harold to come over with beer. And he's like, I didn't bring you here to watch a movie. Let's go upstairs. I saw a raccoon. You're going to help me catch it. <laughs> I loved his raccoon story. I was like, oh, this is actually sort of plausible. Like, yeah. yeah. The house isn't haunted. It's a giant raccoon. We're going to kill it together. <laughs> We're going to kill it together. <laughs> but he gives his neighbor the harpoon gun and says, I'm going to open the closet. You shoot it. But wait till I get out of the way. Right. And then when he opens the closet and the monster comes out, the deadite comes out. Yeah. He, like, stands in front of it and just starts hitting it with, like, something. I can't remember what it was. A fireplace poker. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. But, like, George Wett does not have a clear line of shot ever. He does amazingly shoot it, though. Yeah, he does shoot it. Because that's exactly what happens. He takes him upstairs. The clock chimes. They open it. It is what looks like some sort of deadite spider. Yeah. He gets it with a harpoon, but a harpoon is tied to a line, and... So it pulls on the line. The line gets wrapped around Roger's leg. And then Roger gets sucked away. I love that the line is like tied to the harpoon that is now in the deadite and it wraps around Roger's leg. He gets sucked in. The line is then connected to a fishing lure like line, like a deep sea fishing line. So now George Went is trying to like reel it in, but nobody bothered to tie the line to the reel on the fishing pole. (laughs) It doesn't break. It unloosens and just like slides out. And George is like, well, I guess fuck me. I'll just sit down and drink <laughs> beer on this mattress that's on the floor for some reason. Yeah. Well, because it's he was using the mattress as a shield. Oh, that's right. That, that evil spider. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he tries to reel, ba- <laughs> reel him back in, but he can't. Right. It's perfect. This is a perfect scene. No notes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, this drags Roger out to the jungle in Vietnam where he sees his dead friend, Ben. Yeah. And his friend, Ben, is like, please kill me. But what he says is, finish me off, Roger. And I just... In my notes wrote later back in the tent. Yeah, I was like, this is not the time for a hand job. What are we doing? It's always time for a hand job. <laughs> Honestly, I've been saying that for months. Well, I mean, 
your boss would like to talk to you about it. Um, <laughs> My bad, Chris. This is not a hand job. This is a hand career. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is he's still in the army? He's still in the army and the handy. <laughs> I got a hand job, mother, at Army. <laughs> just, we're just terrible people. Yeah, we are the worst kinds of people. It's like this guy's death scene. We're like, hand job. Anyway, uh, instead of killing him, he's like, I'm going to go get help. But as he runs to get help, uh, immediately they, they drag descend him off. upon Big Ben. Yeah. And they drag him off. And instead of like Big Ben getting mad at the people dragging him off, he's like, fuck you, Roger. I'll kill you for this. Like, he's not the one yeah. that shot you and or is going to torture you. Like, he's trying to yeah. help. Yeah. It's wild. But he wanted him to finish it so he didn't get tortured. But Big Ben's an idiot. That's all I'm saying. A hundred percent. I mean, I know people this resentful in life, so I'm surprised this doesn't happen more. Yeah. Uh, but Roger sees an open doorway and takes a run for it. Yeah. They fire after him, but he makes it back into the house. He lands back in the bedroom where Harold has been asleep. So he puts Harold to bed on a couch, which it took me like two more scenes to realize that he took Harold home. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Harold was asleep and drunk when he woke yes. up because the person who just ran out of the Vietnam flashback that was happening in the closet. Yes. All of those things happened. Mm -hmm. Like he is now carrying George went back to his house. Cause instead of doing anything, George went just sat there and got drunk. He didn't call exactly. the cops. Didn't do anything like, yeah. I mean, at a certain point you're like, I guess the ha house is haunted. No one's going to believe me. What do I even do? Leave the house at minimum. Why would you stay? He's a good friend. He is a loyal friend. He's like, well, there's beer here, so I'm not leaving. Uh, why would I leave here? Everybody knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you want to hunt where everybody, everybody knows your name. Bum, 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 bum. I love it. And harpoons always <laughs> glad you came. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, so uh, he takes him home. He comes back and he takes like one of his aunt's paintings is partially covered and he moves it and he sees that she's painted his son in the medicine cabinet mirror. Yeah, that bathroom mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to that bathroom, smashes through the mirror. It's clearly a portal. Yeah. He looks outside around it, like through a window to see that there's nothing on the other side of that wall. Well, and he even throws like shaving cream to see how far down it goes and you never hear it land. You never hear <laughs> I it I thought land. that was great. And as he's looking, he gets grabbed by like an H.R. Geiger tentacle, like just <laughs> a xenomorph yeah. tentacle it looked like a xenomorph tail like it looked yeah. like it was like alien grabbing him yeah a bunch of monster hands try to grab him he reaches for a straight razor slices and dices cuts himself free yeah but he hears jimmy yelling from the inside like the sunken place and so he ties a rope around the toilet climbs inside gets a gun make sure it's loaded and he lowers himself down into the darkness yeah. where he is assaulted by bone bat Bone bat, skeleton bat, coming to kill ya. It's my favorite part but of the movie. But bone bat is so against the Second Amendment. No, I think bone bat is very pro Second Amendment because he takes the shotgun and, and then, then he does that the rope. But yeah okay, yeah, okay, yes, he does shoot the rope, but not before he like flips the shotgun in one of his hands and then shoots it. I was like, oh, bone bat's got tricks. Yeah, bone bat's the best fucking part of this movie. Agreed. You ain't as cool as bone bat. Nobody's as cool as bone bat. 
that. When he tied the rope around the toilet, I was like, I don't know if that's going to hold him. That may not be a load-bearing toilet. Hey, I mean, I've had dumps big enough to unseat a toilet. Like, I don't think that rope's going to do any fucking good. If I learned anything in this episode, it is that Mikey's toilet at least is a load-bearing witch hand toilet. Yeah, it's no match for bone bat. (laughs) What do you think you do with those monkey paws once you're out of wishes? You know, you got to flush them. It's just like the sewer around Mikey's house is just full of monkey paws that have like a closed fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bone Bat shoots the rope. He falls down into right. what looks like an endless pool of water and he dives down below to try and find Jimmy. Uh, and he surfaces in a swamp in Vietnam. He climbs out and Jimmy is in a cage, like a bamboo cage. Yeah, he's being held like John McCain. Like <laughs> at first I thought, yeah, at first I thought Jimmy was in a POW camp and I was like, this movie is about to go to some weird, weird, weird places. I thought it was Mikey. I was very concerned for a second. I was like, oh, no. I hope he doesn't rescue his kid from Viet Cong like Rambo First Blood Part 2 and then bring him back. The audacity of calling something Rambo First Blood Part 2 still makes me smile. Bone Bat would never do that. (laughs) All hell the Bone Bat. I'm going to get a Bone Bat tattoo. It'll look just like Ben Affleck's tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Paige, your face is amazing. (laughs) Anyway, he gets him out of his little cage. Yeah, yeah. Where he's been for months. Yeah, he takes him back through the swamp and they swim toward the light. They come up in the pool of the house. And the thing I have in my notes is, how is he going to explain this to the FBI? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So there was this bone bat. Uh, (laughs) And he stole my shotgun. He stole my gun. Uh, They go back inside the house where they're confronted by a zombie soldier. And it is Big Ben. And he's basically like, I didn't die. They tortured me for weeks. And you had a chance to kill me and save me from that. And you didn't. Yeah. And Roger's like, I would have died for you. And he's like, well, here's your chance. (laughs) So he sends Jimmy out to get help. But Jimmy can't get out of the house. Roger and Big Ben fight. And at one point. We forgot to say that Big Ben is still armed. Yes. With yeah. a machine gun. Yes. So if you've ever seen a ghost shoot at you with a machine gun, this is your chance. He also has bullets for fingers. Oh my God. Mm. I forgot about I forgot the bullets about for yeah. fucking fingers. <laughs> this movie has everything you could ask for. Yeah. Bone bat doesn't just work uh. for anybody, okay? You got to be fucking rad to get a guy like Bone Bat on your staff. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Bone Bat's resume? Yeah. yeah. He's always booked. I'm LinkedIn connected with him. <laughs> yeah, Bone, Bone Bat was in the Skull and Bone Society. Oh, shit. Bone Bat went to Cornell? It wasn't Cornell. It's uh, Harvard. Oh, is it Harvard? I thought it was Cornell. My bad. All right, whatever. I mean, Skull and Bones is in a lot of different places, I think, right? Yeah, they're in each person. Uh, Yale. It's only at Yale. Is it Yale? Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Yale. Magna cum laude. (laughs) I usually do Yale when I magna cum laude. Never mind. All right, let's move on. Ah! (laughs) I'm tired. I'm here to finish it off. It's me, Bone Bat. I fuck upside down. Hell yeah. And then everywhere Bone Bat goes, you just hear this electric, like, bam, and arrow. Just like, Electric guitar. He's like, hold on, I have to go back. Bone back. I have to go back to my rock music video. (laughs) Hold on, Dawkins needs. I was about to say, welcome back to MTV Two. Now we're gonna play Dawkins' Bone Bat music video. Bone (laughs) Bat. He's a bat with a shotgun. Bone Bat. Uh, Alex. 
Alex Cooper, how how could you describe your newest album? Well, I was really inspired by Bone Bat. <laughs> Honestly, I'd buy that though. I'd be like, that makes sense. Be my bony bat. <laughs> It's really what he does when he's not recording, when he's getting those guns off the street. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing just a behind the music of like, you know, like we were all creative, but it really all goes back to Bone Bat. Like he was the first. <laughs> he was the best of us. And that's when Bone Bat fell on hard times. <laughs> yeah. After the 80s, man, when Nirvana's t- Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, that's when it all changed for Bone Bat. That's when it all changed. No one was into the leathery wings and bony fingers of a Bone Bat. <laughs> Heavy metal magazine. Magazine stopped calling. People oh were just in the greasy hair and flannel. <laughs> but he found his footing again when he decided to found Spirit Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like an older bone bat, but he's got glasses now and like like white hair, and he's like, I'm a businessman. <laughs> he's like, people love to hang bone bats at their homes. It's like, you know, I tra- I pivoted away from the music and into the iconography of uh, bone batting. Look, I loved making music and I loved being famous, but you got to diversify if you're going to stand the test of time. And that's why Bone Bat Industries is opening a year-round Halloween store. Now I understand why Ben Affleck got a bone bat tattoo. That makes sense. He just respects him so much. Do you know anyone else who's reinvented themselves more times other than Madonna? Only no. bone bat. And I actually have heard that they dated in the 90s. Mm, (laughs) Bone Bat and Madonna, you mean? That sex book she did, he's in some of those photos. It's because he was briefly known as Boner Bat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What you don't know is he got a start in 1970s adult films as Boner Bat. Boner Bat. Just like Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) All right, we're done. We are done. We are done. Speaking of Rambo. Bone Bat! I am vengeance. (laughs) I am the bat. I am the bone bat. (laughs) Well, you've both seen the Batman where they've got Paul Dano's face against that counter. He's just like, oh, (laughs) I know I've been laughing about it for days. I chose a symbol that I was scared of that I thought I could use. It was the bone Bone bat. bat. (laughs) Bone bat. Anyway, there's no more Bone Bat in this movie. Holy and it, shit. I think it suffers for it. We honestly. just did 20 minutes on a character you see <laughs> for 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was debating in my notes I have him as Skelebat. No, Bone Bat is much bone better. Bat. Bone yeah, better. Bat. Yeah. Anyway, so essentially Big Ben chases him through the house and he finally busts through a door that turns out to be a cliff. Oh, yeah. And he ends up hanging on the edge of the cliff and Ben is like stomping on his fingers so he's going to fall but he uses his belt to like <laughs> as a fucking lasso, Paige. <laughs> he yeah, uses like his belt. Indiana Jones yeah. as ass whip. Oh, I was like, is this what he's gonna do for real? I loved it so yeah. much. When he reaches down, he only has one hand holding him up. He reaches down and yeah. grabs his belt. I was like, now is not the time to take your pants off, sir. <laughs> you are misreading the situation, Big Ben. I told you I would finish you. <laughs> <laughs> he's got unfinished business. Business. See, all I can thinking when he like goes to whip at ben, Big Ben's legs he's just like zombie Vietnam vets why did it have to be zombie <laughs> Vietnam vets and he just like whips him off that cliff he yeah. climbs back up 
gets back into the house. But of course, Big Ben is still there and has Jimmy. Yeah. And Jim, Jimmy's like, I'm going to kill your boy unless you kill yourself. And he pretends to cut off his hand, but it grows back because Big Ben's not real. Right. And so he says, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I beat you in this house. Yeah. This is just like home alone this is the moment where he's like i'm not afraid anymore <laughs> yeah so he snags a grenade from ben shoves it up into his rib cage yeah snatches jimmy back and it explodes and in my notes i just had how is harold missing all of this and then we cut outside and see harold running from next door so that's the only way you know that he took harold home that night and he's not like <laughs> sleeping on one of the couches in this giant house i love the end of this movie like it's per so he comes out the house is burning down the wife is there and he's like i found the kid shit eating grin the end yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the, movie. the movie but it's like a freeze frame i know like, smiling I like no fucking did it yeah <laughs> totally i love it frame. i beat the bone bad freeze i am frame. a badass bone bad killer yeah that's what it is Yep. Brought to you by yep. Doc. Yep. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about House One? No notes. Yeah, it's pretty stellar. No notes at all. Well, no, I have one note. More bone bat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, at first, I thought the babysitting scene was unnecessary, but as we discussed it, I liked it. I, see, I still think it was unnecessary, uh, but I will say for our serious John Bernthal version, we have to keep bone bat. That's the thing that we have to keep. <laughs> Absolutely. That's going to be hard. No, it's bone not. Bone bat's got to stay. Yeah. It's not negotiable now. Netflix, Bone <laughs> Bat bone has bat to be in it. non-negotiable. <laughs> you put in Bone Bat or I'm fucking walking. <laughs> I love Let's this. Let's see you try and find another script for John Bernthal. I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure there's so many. Think about like him, like really intense. I'm thinking about it. And he's like drinking out of a whiskey bottle, a fifth yes. of whiskey, and it zooms out and he's petting a caterpillar dog. <laughs> Oh, now I'm out. From house two? I love it. But no, no, what he could be is petting a bone bat. I love it. I, honestly, if you wanted to work in bone bat and like a wink to the fans, it would literally just be a bone bat tattoo on his arm. Here for it. Yeah. Oh, that would be so yeah. good. I love yeah. it. No, I liked it more than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be bonkers, but it had like more of a coherent theme than I was anticipating, which I think made the bonkers just more fun. Yeah, this is more of an actual movie than house two is. House two feels like it's like set pieces. Yeah. Like they're a little vignettes that make up a movie yeah. of like action sequences this felt like an actual narrative movie yeah th this movie had an emotional center but also a bone bat so i preferred <laughs> it to have <laughs> excellent and honestly you'd be surprised how often she brings up that a movie doesn't have a bone bat normally i cut it out every time now. i mean every, every time. episode <laughs> after this one if you're looking back years later like, Hey, this is the kind of Pyrex they used. And also, there's no bone bat in this. What gives? <laughs> I was promised bone bat. Send me bone bat merch. <laughs> hey, James Wan, Cronenberg, Raimi, Flanagan, Peel. I need all of you guys to include bone bats from here on out. Yeah. Look, heavy metal did not make that much money after, <laughs> after the 80s. That's why I included heavy metal magazine Stop Calling. Because they <laughs> went out of business, I think. <laughs> They did two movies and they went bust. <laughs> anyway, so Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. All right. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Bone bat fun, fun facts. facts. <laughs> uh, of course, so we all did that. The story. There's a story by credit for this movie. Oh, okay. Yes. And it goes to. This movie honestly should just have a cocaine story by credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, basically, because it goes to Fred Decker, who we've actually done Fred Decker films before. 
because he wrote this. Then the very next year, he wrote Night of the Creeps. And then the next year, he gets a second story by credit for House 2. Perfect. And then that same year, he gets a credit for Monster Squad. This dude does nothing but hits. This is a genius. He is the, like, now granted, his original version was very serious, so I don't know that we can credit him with Bone Bat, but I feel like given the rest of his history, maybe he invented Bone Bat, and maybe that makes him the best filmmaker of all time. I mean, I'm here for it. He definitely has a style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. I also know for a fact that Fred... Uh, Fred Decker and Shane Black were very, very close. And that is another Predator connection. Oh, I was just doing it it for the Predator connection that we were talking about. It's a fun fact. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So originally... Uh, the script he wrote uh, was inspired by Twilight Zone, the movie, which came out in 1983. Uh, and after seeing that film, he and his friends all kind of took a crack at like basically anthology movies to work on, but it was never completed, but they all kind of worked together. So, and that includes Ethan Wiley, who does the comedy portions of the script. Okay. Uh, Steve Miner and Shane Black. So it is theorized that Shane Black wrote the Vietnam sections of this film. Oh my God. God, I That's love it. That's why they it. feel so much like Predator. So, like, Big Ben is basically what would become the Jesse, Jesse Ventura, Ventura character. <laughs> he even has a big fuck-off gun. Yes, because yeah. if you remember, Shane Black does the rewrites on Predator. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Now... The title in Hong Kong when this was released was Don't Go Into the Haunted House After Midnight. What? That's a very long title. That's a very long title. (laughs) Now, there are a handful of stunts in this film, and they were coordinated by an unknown stunt coordinator at the time. Oh, my God. He also wrote If Looks Could Kill. Yeah. Yes. I fucking love that movie. If Looks Could Kill is an amazing rom-com, we should do it. Roger did some of his own stunts because there's one scene where he falls down the stairs where it shows you it's him. I was like, oh, wow. Good for you, Roger, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Well, in the few stunts that he didn't do and some of the bigger stunts for like Big Ben and a couple of other things, uh, the stunt coordinator is Kane Hodder. No shit. Really? Yes. Uh, And he was working with director Steve Miner, who would go on to direct Friday the 13th Part 2. Yeah. God, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, Steve Miner, who directed this and is part of that little cohort with Shane Black and and Fred Decker. Sure, yeah. um, Was known mostly for horror films and was trying to break out of it, which is part of why he pushed for there to be more comedy in this film, because he wanted to make comedy movies instead. Okay. Mm. Which he does end up doing a little bit. I mean, he did in this movie. Yeah. Uh, The original ending of this movie had a monster in the pool that needed to be defeated, but they felt like then there was a disconnect between the Vietnam War subplot and the kid. Sure. Yeah. So they kind of merged the two of them. Okay. But they kept the skeletal Big Ben, essentially, to wrap it all up. Yeah. But so after this, Steve Miner gets offered Soul Man. That's his next. Really? uh, And then the pilot episode of The Wonder Years. What? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So. Sandy, they went through a bunch of casting before finally settling on the actress that they cast. Uh, They also considered Glenn Close and Sigourney Weaver, which, by the way, this is like peak Sigourney Weaver time. Yeah. Like, this is not like unknown Sigourney Weaver. This is like like alien Sigourney Weaver, which is wild. That is wild. Robert, the little boy that Roger babysits, is played by the director's son. Oh, okay, cool. Now, Blood Dance is the horror novel referenced in the film, 
But the second one that he's at the signing for and is kind of visible behind him at the bookstore is titled Sword of Bad. Sword of Bad? B-A-D? Yes. Sword like S-W-O-R-D of Bad. Oh my God. Killer title. Yeah. No notes on that terrible title. I mean, it's better than one man's story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like maybe he's just bad at titles. Although Kirkland's sort of bad fits. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The house used in the movie uh, is in Monrovia, California, about 15 minutes east of where I live. Okay. And they spent four weeks remodeling it for shooting on the inside, but couldn't change much of the outside because it's a historical home. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, and those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those amazing fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little box office. So what do you think the production budget was for House when it came out in 1985? I have to recuse myself because okay. I know. Okay. $1 million. Okay. So that budget for House... When it initially came out was, and there is some gray area here, but th- what I saw in two different locations was $2.5 million or $3 million. I was going to go two, yeah, but then I didn't. Well, you'd have been closer with two, but if you adjust for inflation, that let's just say $3 million, that becomes... million today, so uh, almost $8 million. Now, this movie came out the weekend of February 28th, 1986, and it was number one the weekend it came out. It beat another movie that had just come out that weekend as well, a, a movie you may have heard of called Pretty in Pink. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. This House movie was pink. up against Pretty in Pink and beat it. That's <laughs> wild. So a little a little context here. Pretty in Pink was only in 827 theaters. House was in 1,440 theaters. It's got the full studio push. It did have the full studio push. Number three that weekend was Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Number four was The Color Purple. And that was in its 11th week. That was a huge hit. Um, and then Hannah and Her Sisters was number five. But yeah, this movie went, came out at the same week as Pretty in Pink and beat it. I thought that that was so wild. Anyway, what do you think this movie made in its opening weekend? So I have to recuse myself for both this and its total okay. because I found it as I was looking and they did mention that it beat Pretty in Pink. Can't believe that, right? That's crazy. That's so I'm guessing so I have to go ahead and say like $6 million? Yeah, Mikey, it made $6 million. Technically, it was $6.4 million, but yeah. And if you adjust it for inflation, that's like $16.9 million Holy today. Shit. It more than doubled its budget immediately. Yeah, it's opening weekend. It more than doubled its budget. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so yeah, the next week it was number two in the theaters. It's third week out. It fell to six and then sort of quickly fell after that. But it was in the theaters for seven weeks. It had a respectable run. What do you think it made for its total domestic box office run? $22 million. You're close, actually, Mikey. It was $19.4 million, but, Mikey, hang on. It also made $2.7 million internationally, which, if you're good at math, you know that comes out to $22.1 million. Wow. And if you adjust Holy for inflation, crap. that's $58.3 million. That was a hit. It was a hit. It was a hit, Mikey. Now, this movie did way better than House 2, The Second yeah. Story. You mean my favorite Bill Maher film? 
Oh, I forgot fucking Bill Maher was in that movie. House 2, the second story, literally came out the next year, but it only made $7.8 million in the theaters. So it didn't do great. That was back, like that part of the 80s, they were just like, oh, this one did well. Make another one. You have six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that the same thing happened with like a lot of the Nightmare movies. A lot of movies around that time were like, oh, it's a hit. Let's make another one. When do you want it released? Can you release it Tuesday? No. Okay. Well, you have six months. Like it was that sort of a thing. But mm-hmm. that is your box office. The scary scale, listeners, a scale of one to ten of how scary we found a film today. Uh, our one example is Ghostbusters, and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Paige. Oh, this is a one for me, dog. Uh, Todd. I'm going to give it a two just because that initial jump scare did get me, but it's not a scary movie. Uh, okay. That's an interesting take. I'm going to give it a one. Oh, I thought you were going to give it something higher because you thought my take was interesting. No. Good to know. All right. So <laughs> that's your scary scale. So this week we called an audible and watched House One. What are you all making us watch next week? It's a listener request. And the listeners, I think, really delivered some great movies. The finalists were A Quiet Place 2, Final Destination 2, Saw 2, and Scream 4. And Final Destination edged out Scream 4 for the win. So your homework for next week is to watch Final Destination 2, And then check back for that episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Matt D656. What does Matt D656 have to say? Tyler Review, very fun podcast. Oh, I thank you, Matt D656. We are six ratings from 1,000. Yeah, we're at 994. I can't believe it. We're going to hit 1K soon. And thank you guys so much for that. I really enjoyed listening to this, but... Uh oh. After over 200 episodes, it's safe to say that you do, in fact, like scary movies. I don't think this person knows how being scared of things works. Well, but I, I would say we found some movies that you've enjoyed. Yeah, like horror comedies, like like horror movies that aren't scary. Yeah. But like we just did Sinister 2 and that movie scared the shit out of me. Like I locked all the windows that I could after I watched that movie. Like, yeah, I people say that all the time and it's just not true. <laughs> That's like saying someone, oh, you've seen enough spider videos. You're not scared of spiders anymore. Oh, I, yeah. I, I found that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So um, Matt D626, thank you so much for your, I'm going to say incorrect, but awesome five-star review. So guys, if you like this show, but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually 
not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he'll babysit any stranger's kids. Honestly, I'd buy that. Nick B seems like a nice, nice guy. And you know what? They'd be safe with Nick B. I think so. Yeah. They would. Safer than they were with this guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or with this Tanya, quote unquote. Like, she was a yes. terrible mother. Tanya. If that is her real name. All right. This episode also brought to you by Tia. And Tia's teenager is driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Uh, I mean, she got drafted into Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I did not expect that about coming. It. Yeah. The pleasure to serve your country. Presented to you without choice. No. <laughs> Oof, Mick Goof. This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones Netflix Marvel TV show, and they've also moved on to Agent Carter. So if you like either of those shows and want to hear a recap podcast about them, Look up Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode also brought to you by Mr. Rage Bomb. And Mr. Rage Bomb wants you to know that he makes all of the bonkers and amazing, like, memes that comes from the wacky shit we say to the best of his abilities and then puts them up on Twitter as at THV memes. Yes. He wanted that for his shout out. So, Mr. Rage Bomb, thank you so much for making all those awesome memes. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to have you guys watch some spooky spider videos, so let me show you this spooky spider video. This movie's called How I Deal with a Big Australian Spiders in My Bedroom. Sounds too sexual. <laughs> it's just like a spider like on the bed smoking a cigarette naked. An eight-hand job. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I said finish me. Oh, my God, that thing is huge. I love the Australian accent. Big spider. Oh no! It's I mean that's a huntsman. He's fucking. He's like messing with the spider with a toothbrush. Yeah, oh my for god, scale, that's which huge! Is, oh my god, that's massive! Oh, oh it attacked god. the toothbrush! It's fighting the toothbrush! It does not have good dental hygiene. <laughs> oh, that's actually not as big as I've seen them, but it's still pretty big. Yeah, that's a big ass spider. Oh my god. Was it huntsman spiders and arachnophobia? Yeah. Well, those are avenal spiders, which are a type of huntsman. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, my God, it's on him. Guys, it is on him. It is. Oh, oh! no, no. Oh, no, 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 Onto a tree. Oh. oh, that guy's from veganbodybuilding.com. That man, that all checks out. <laughs> he, yeah, he took that spider out with his vegan powers. <laughs> I can't hurt a living creature. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for that spooky spider video and the love and support. We now return you to another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. Uh, okay, I've got my episode scene, <laughs> bottom of the ocean. Cut to. 
bottom of the Cut ocean. To... Wes Dreskel still merged. No, Dreskel. Okay, no. Wes and Scott are still merged. And oh, walking shit. Yeah, my bad. Down, they're walking towards Atlantis. There's a, they, they found the road with the road sign. I'm sorry. They found an underwater road to Atlantis? Yes. This sounds like a Bing Crosby movie. And I love it. But it's so deep, no one's seen it before. Oh, of course not. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's in the Marianas Trench. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the road. <laughs> Marianas Trench Lane. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> hyphen road to Atlantis. <laughs> mm. And uh, okay, so they're doing that. Um, Amy and Kate Isaac Karoon are all up top. Okay. And they are, um, they went to an oil rig that was still floating. And some of their boat, which is Shining Donut, has them all on it or whatever. Right. They go to an oil rig. Well, Shining Donut is the boat, right? Right. Okay. He is. Yeah. Yeah. They've made him into a boat. Yeah. They're like, Shining Donut, we've got to make you into a submarine. Oh, no. Isaac's ripping stuff (laughs) off with his strength and Kate's using her psychic abilities. And uh, Karoon is crying uh, just by the ocean on the donut right and just in the fetal position because he's just going through a lot now amy has like she's made the plan she's like sp- she's like spaceships are just like submarines except <laughs> instead of vacuum of space it's water i can do this i mean there is some truth to that yeah uh-huh and uh <laughs> so they they're making a new spaceship they're super excited about it uh cut to a submarine next to a pirate ship right okay and uh it's uh, Dreskel. He's brought his one of his submarines down. He's like, guys, we gotta split up. Uh, we've gotta, we gotta go to Atlantis. I think there's some shit down there. We gotta fuck up. Yeah. The <laughs> Illuminati can't let somebody get out of control. I know what happened to Atlantis. We can't let Scott figure it out. <laughs> okay. So he's like, all right. He's like, most evil Matthew. What do you want to do? You want to harass your ex girlfriend or go with me to do this? Like you, or do you want to fuck up shit in Atlantis? Yeah. And he's like, hold on a second. Let's do both. <laughs> He's like, hold my beer. I can do both. Yeah. And then it's like, yada, yada, yada. Everyone's on the submarine. And um, you got Sneaky Snake slapping Kaylee across the face. Oh, wow. Okay. With his snake tongue. And, oh, uh, so it was like a light Nathan, little kind of a thing. Nathan, Nathan and Joey are flexing with. Um, <laughs> Just like wrestlers. With Danielle and Aaron's heads in their in their armpits. They're like, oh, wow. Like, moon people suck, man. <laughs> the moon sucks. They're like giving them nuggies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll moon. They like they pull their pants on and they give them the full moon. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, wow. Just okay. Real, okay. It's almost torture. Yeah, it's just, it's and, rough. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Dreskel is like, was this super necessary? And then like Captain Brother was like, because his name is not Bruder, it's Brother. He reached out to me. To oh, really? That. Yeah. Well, that's even better because then we could be like Captain Brother, Captain Brother, and he's like, "Hello, brother." <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad he's he like, reached Captain out, Brother. We're taking you and your crew with us down to the depths or whatever, you know? Yeah, yar and yar, and uh, Brother's like Dreskel. We're cool or whatever, and he's like, "Look." Most evil Matthew is just, he wants to be, he's a dick. He's just like, he just has to do the dumbest shit, the meanest, stupidest shit all the time. (laughs) And uh, I'm just two chickmunks trapped in a robot body, but. (laughs) Standing in front of a. (laughs) Standing in front of a pirate captain telling him what's what I'm feeling. Brother. Yeah. And he's like, and so most evil Matthew's back over with Kaylee and the snake slapping her. And he's like, hey, you know, I've been like thinking about you. Like, what's up? Like, you, what's like, what's new with you? And he's like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm really sorry about the stuff I did. But like, I'll never happen again if you like come back to me. And uh, as they're diving down to Atlantis. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
We'll find out next week what happens when our heroes and villains get to Atlantis on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Boner nerds. Bone, Bone bad, bad nerds. nerds. <laughs> <laughs>